0: Br- 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 we want to talk about faith. We want to talk about uh, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, we yeah. did. Everything everything everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. It's about a thing. uh,
1: yeah, feel good. Waking hands up. shots in the culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch Culture, Coul- What's going on, world? You are tuned into episode 25 of Brunch Culture. I'm your boy, Randall Keith, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ms. Lisa Victoria. What's up, world? So, y'all, you know how we do it. We like to start off with our week in review. This week is filled with a lot of stuff. Lisa, kick us off.
0: So, this week, um, Ray Rice was reinstated into the NFL Um, This is not him going back um, to the Baltimore Ravens, but this is him actually having an opportunity to play again in the NFL. And, you know, a lot of people have different views. I saw somebody on social media tweet um, that this week is full of injustice from Ray Rice to Ferguson, and I was just like, can we compare the Ferguson verdict or the lack of to Ray Rice? Um, I've always said from the beginning if if his wife chooses to stay with him, isn't it making it worse for her if he's not planning an NFL? If he has an anger problem, this is only going to intensify his anger towards her and just not have, he might not have a constructive place to take out his anger. On the field could be his outlet um, for that. So, I mean, and is it a good idea to put a, a man in the house with no job His income is cut off, and he already has an anger problem. Isn't that going to put his wife in more danger? Right. So, I mean, we just have to have a... I'm not condoning him hitting her. But, however, I can't control if a woman wants to stay with a man.
1: Exactly. I think one of the things that we have to... Because it's... And, I mean, everyone that knows me knows that I tread very lightly when commenting on any type of domestic violence situation, particularly when the woman is the one that has been um, the victim, only because as a man I don't know how that feels. But I just always, from the jump, was against uh, him being completely barred from the NFL for that offense and for that one time, particularly to because it only happened after the video was released, uh, it just didn't sit right with me. I felt like, you know, they knew about the video. They knew the video existed. That wasn't the initial punishment. So coming back after the negative backlash isn't wasn't something I agree with. But like it or not, this is the case. And I think that this should open a conversation for going forward, how we should deal with those cases, as opposed to looking at Ray Rice and saying that he is just so bad and everything, like he should not have another second chance because we are America and we are the land of second chances. So,
0: Exactly, and we want to even just say it again. We don't condone domestic violence. We think it's horrible what he did, and he should have some sort of consequence. Correct. But the extreme consequence, we're not sure if the NFL suspending him indefinitely was the best choice. It sounded good but looking at it critically and thinking about his wife is that the best decision for her cuz whatever he suffers she has to suffer. Exactly. Being there.
1: Exactly, exactly, which I think is a great point. So another big thing that happened this week is Thanksgiving. Uh Thanksgiving was this past Thursday and I don't know about y'all but it felt so good to have my parents food. Uh big up to my stepdad who Took, always takes over Thanksgiving, but this year he really just got in the kitchen. He's a former chef, so he got in the kitchen, and he made some magic happen, and it feels good to have some good, real soul food. A lot of people have taken me to a lot of places in D.C. and said, this is soul food, and I enjoy D.C. I love D.C., but, you know, that ain't a soul food that I'm used to, so being home and getting some real good food was the highlight of my month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, Thanksgiving for us, our family, every Sunday is like Thanksgiving. Wow. Every Sunday, grandma house, it's a full feast like Thanksgiving. Yeah. So when it comes around, I'm just like, we were literally, as a family, just here Sunday.
1: Wow. Now,
0: Thursday, we're doing it again. So okay. my brother was like... Hey, y'all want some seafood? Cause we <laughs> we kind of just had this. <laughs> so, Bruh,
1: we just did this. But it was good
0: because, you know, some family came in from GA. And so it was good to see everybody. Uh, But as far as the food goes, I was a little bit opposite. I was just like, "All right, well, let me get this turkey." Yeah, and it was blessed. You blessed
1: uh, (laughs) because it was nothing like some food. But one of the things I want to say is something I actually uh, posted about and actually wrote a blog about this week was the importance of family and relationships. I, I I think it's great that we have food. I think it's great that you know we have this opportunity to enjoy. A great deal of good, good food, but I think that one of the things that we need to focus on and we must focus on, particularly in these times. family kind of being estranged and there have been so many different things happening in the family structure is the importance of maintaining those relationships, maintaining a good sense of the people that love us, the people that have rocked with us when we had nothing before we got to wherever it is that we are. And I think it's important that we go back to those places and with those people. And no matter how good or bad the situation or the relationship has been, just be thankful that you have those people and thankful that they're there. Um, It's something that I, I definitely did. I reached out to a family member that I hadn't talked to in a while and, kind of had some ill feelings towards but we sat down we talked and we just kind of picked up and it was like I appreciate you for you and the role that you've played in my life and vice versa and we just moved forward so I think if you haven't done it this Thanksgiving um, look forward for next year but it's always the right time so make everyday Thanksgiving as you're thankful for life and for where you're at be thankful for the people that you have and just move forward with that.
0: Yes, it's nothing more important than your family and friends that are holding you down and that love you. That's right. so very important. But this week, um, you have to be living under a rock to miss the explosive events this week in Ferguson, Missouri. Yes. Um, they announced that they were not going to indict Darren Wilson. Yes. Um. Yeah. Let's just let that set in.
1: Right. And um, he
0: took so long to announce it. It was just like, bruh. Like, um. Seriously. Go. Go ahead and let us know what it is. Cause this all this extra stuff nobody
1: wants to know. Right. And it's something that people had already been preparing for. They had already uh, declared it a state of emergency for the entire month in the city of Ferguson. So, uh, they had extra, uh, poli- like police force out there. And, you know, it was one of those things that was extremely, extremely hard to hear, hard to accept. Um, I just had a very, very rough. I had a rough time dealing with it. something I'll be very candid and say I was in tears for much of it. I was actually driving down the road when the verdict came and I heard it. Over the radio, and I just kind of sat there in disbelief. And as I drove, I was like, you know, I'm good. It's something I expected. I had talked to a couple friends earlier, and we had kind of hashed it out, knowing, you know, what was going to happen. But hearing it, actually hearing the, ver- the decision, not verdict, but the decision not to indict uh, Darren Wilson, and realizing that this has just been... <laughs> it has been determined that this is not even something that we need to investigate further, that we don't really need to give a true shot at justice. And I know people have different opinions about it. Some people think that this was, this is the justice system doing exactly what it did. But as a black male, and I'll speak from the point of being a black male, that knows what it is to have someone profile you, that knows what it is to have a police officer Profile you that knows what it is to have a police officer pull you over and pull you out of your car and scream at you, yell at you, make you uh, take sobriety tests when you don't even drink um, and you've expressed to them that you don't even drink, ask you, uh, Are you high? when I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, so it's. To go through that simply because I'm a black male and to know that there's no other reason for you to be stopping me for that it made me question why I do everything that I do. It made me wonder why I'm here. It made me wonder, you know, and just think about it, that could have been me, those could have been my little brothers, that could have been my cousin and it was just a very, very uh, touching event, but one of the things that I want to talk about and we want to talk about at this point. A lot of people on social media, people always have their their, their thoughts and their opinions and going back and forth. But one of the reigning opinions from those people that think that justice was served in the situation is that black people are overreacting. Black people are on this playing the race card black people don't accept the fact that what happened happened and justice was served and so we want to talk about that we want to talk about the fact that the question raised the question are black people overreacting are we biased um because am i biased because i'm a black man and i'm saying that i've experienced racial profiling by police officers am i missing something from the other side and what do you think lisa well
0: I think that anytime you're angry, you can act a bit irrationally. And I think that if anything, I wouldn't say black people are overreacting. I would say that they, in the case of people who are riding, I don't think that this whole call to justice is overreacting, but I will say that the rioting and the looting, black businesses and small black businesses, is emotionally erratic, mm-hmm. and I think, like Martin Luther King said, riots are the language of the unheard. These people aren't heard, and in in the case of them, some people are emotionally erratic, and some people are criminals. I'm I'm seeing people going and and bomb rushing the liquor store getting liquor, That I don't think that has anything to do with Mike Brown. I think right. they just wanted some liquor. Right. And so you have two people. You have people who are riding and actually blowing up stuff, bur- not blowing up, but burning up stuff because they are frustrated and they want to make a scene because I was reading an article earlier and it was in response to the fact that people are saying, well, black people don't protest for black-on-black crime and they list all the protests for black-on-black crime. They just said... Because the media likes to sensationalize things, those things don't get press. So in reality, these people who are doing this know that what it takes for us to pay attention to Ferguson is a radical approach. I'm not condoning their approach, but had this just been a peaceful protest, nothing or no media attention would be on Ferguson. Right. We would still be talking about Bill Cosby. Exactly. We would be talking about nothing as it relates to Ferguson. The fact, the mere fact, and Michelle Alexander said this, the mere fact that young people pulled together, protested on social media, and coupled with the riots, was the was the reason that Mike Brown even got attention in the first place. Because exactly. this happens all the time. Exactly. So it's not something that's out of the ordinary as far as a young black male, unarmed, getting killed by the police. But it was the community that rallied together via social media, protests of largely young uh, professionals or young black college students protesting on their social media, and coupled with the riots that brought attention to even get this to the process where they were going to take a serious look at it. The federal government would have never gotten involved Had all this not happened.
1: Exactly. And I actually think that's a really good piece to note. One of the things that frustrates me, even when people speak about uh, the looting and, you know, people rioting, it's almost like you start to pull – you want to pull away from the actual issue and focus in on the fact that there are people that are – disobeying the law. There are people that are out there not acting accordingly, not acting in a way that is going to, uh, I don't even want to say make a statement because it makes a statement, but it it doesn't make the statement that we want it to make. So we kind of go in on those people and we say things like, well, there are actual criminals that are out there that just want to be out there. So I start to think about it a little bit deeper and I say, well, these people, this is their way of expressing themselves, it is not right. And do I think that is right? There were there was a um, there was one place I believe it was like a hair salon or something like that that was completely burnt down. CNN was showing it yesterday. It was actually completely burnt down, and it just happened a day a day or so ago. Um, I think it was going after Thanksgiving, and the night of Thanksgiving that it was burnt down. And so CNN was saying that you know this isn't right. This 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 business owner didn't ask for that, but I think that if we look at the opportunity, there's a space. This space was created by this situation, by this injustice, for to give the people the opportunity to loot and to do these things and to blame it on their, their rage. One of the things that, and again, it is not right, but. It explains where it comes from. You know what I'm saying? I, I believe that, you know, had we not had this situation, had a decision decision not been made to not indict Darren Wilson. If those people still did those things, we could say that they are wrong. When those people when, when people did it after right after um, Mike Brown died, it's one of those things that you know that it's not right. And you can even blame those people from it then. But one of the things, and I, I start thinking about this, there, um, Mike Brown's stepfather, um, his wife's—I mean, I'm sorry, his mom's husband—when they got the news, somebody was recording on their cell phone, and they recorded her raw initial reaction when the statement was made that they will, there will be no indictment. And the stepfather got on the car. And he tur- He hugs his wife and he says it's going to be okay. Then he immediately turns around and he starts to scree- scream, burn this bee down. Burn this bee down. Out of anger, out of sheer anger, being frustrated, being upset. Well, news outlets are now saying that he is single-handedly responsible for all of the looting that happened. Had he not said that, people wouldn't be- wouldn't have done that. And so in the interview that CNN did with Mike Brown's mom, she explained that it wasn't right what he said. But you have to understand that he, in essence, has lost a son and he's been told that the death of his son means nothing. It's not even important enough for us to investigate it. So that's his natural initial response. He never looted. He never went to do anything um, that was violent, but his initial response was, "This is just how I wanted to feel now is it right? Is it wrong? No, but this is somebody capturing his raw feelings and so i think I say all that to say when we think about the the, the people that are out there looting, we do have to realize let 's not just make them let 's not demonize them, but let 's bring a human factor and say that some of these people may very well be doing this from a st- the, the position of, I want my voice heard. I want them to listen to what I have to say. I want them to know that I matter. Is it the right way? No. You know, do we need these people to actually stop so we can make a statement? Absolutely. So I'm not advocating for violence, but I want us to think, I think it's easy to just write them off as being criminals, but we have to really think about What gets a person to that point? What gets a person to that place? And I think that's just one of the things that we have to realize and think about.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, there's a a lot of responses. Fox News aggravated me to death with what they gave. And some of the people on CNN, too, I was just like, really? But, I mean, one of the things by pop culture, happy phenomenon, Pharrell Williams said, he had his two cents to add to the debate, and he basically said that uh, Mike Brown asked for this because of the uh, the behavior he displayed in the convenience store and him kind of pushing the convenience store clerk showed that he was just violent by nature and so Officer Darren Wilson was basically defending himself and so that he basically suggesting that black people are overreacting because Mike Brown deserved this it was it's kind of made me think of the argument of. Um, in the uh, Trayvon Martin case, when they say he was armed with a sidewalk. Yeah. Um, yeah. This whole idea of, I if I show aggression, I deserve to die. Now, granted, I'm not, I was not there. I cannot see all things. But I'm simply saying that the lack of an indictment, the lack of even investigating or putting a Darren Wilson on trial... We all know that the law is rigged for police. They, they, they have an out because they're the po- police. and: they're I, the authority. and I, Yeah, and I understand yeah. a lot of people out here uh, to give a balance to it. There's a lot of men out here, black and white, who don't respect authority. There's a Correct. lot of women who don't respect authority. But when we look at statistics, the way the police handle black men and white men are drastically different. Exactly. When we look at the statistics and we see the fact that we saw pictures on social media that displayed wh- when white people riot versus when black people riot, and they've done the same thing, and they've shown aggression towards police, and it's all it seems as if statistically black people are targeted by police we are not given the same opportunity we're not asking for the police to look over black infractions we're not saying don't arrest or don't shoot when there's a real threat but we're saying deal with us the same and i think the argument is that okay yeah you can say that about a mike brown but how many times has um a a anglo-saxon caucasian male been doing the same thing that Mike Brown was doing and not got and there's been he's been tased or you know he's been a slap on the wrist or you know what I'm saying it's just if the system was fair if the system was equal we wouldn't have this problem
1: exactly and that's that's the that's the very thing of Mike Brown's dad said the question was asked if your son was white do you believe that we would be sitting here right now that the outcome would have been the same. Do you f- believe that he would have been shot and not only shot but shot in the number of times that he was shot, shot in the manner in which he was shot? And the dad said absolutely without a shot a, sh- a shadow of a doubt that he wouldn't have. This would not be the case. And I think that goes into we have to realize that there's a there's a lack of humanization of black men. Black men are naturally seen as a threat. We are not seen as productive citizens, particularly when you think about it in the community that he was in. This community is not a suburb. This community is known for crime. This this community is known to not be the best in the city. So cops instinctively are going to approach people in that community completely different than they would in a more more suburb community, and
0: you hear it even on on, on your on on your um, outlets, media outlets. Going back to Fox News, when they said these Oof. people probably um, don't have no jobs, like they they say, okay, black men don't work. They sorry, they don't have nothing to do but loot anyways. Exactly. Without considering that probably 90 or 95 percent of the people out there protesting were organized and exactly. actually. Protesting peacefully, it was exactly. only a small few that the media focused
1: on. One of the things that um, shout out to my frat brother Mark Lamont Hill, as he was documenting things. One of the things that he said he was documenting on Twitter, and he was not the only person that was out there. But I follow him on Twitter um, and Instagram, so you know it's one of the things that he he kept he kept talking about. And he kept saying was we have to bring balance to what the media is showing. The media is going to show. The things that are going to get the most, the most news, the most ratings. So the media is going to show this. They're going to focus in on the areas where the rioting and the looting is. But there are a lot of areas that people that wasn't happening. There were truly peaceful protests that was going on, and the police officers were still throwing tear gas. The the response, and one of the CNN correspondents is the one that confirmed it. Perhaps there was. Because police officers started to say that they were just throwing smoke. The CNN rep said perhaps that some of this is just smoke, but I've experienced tear gas. I know what tear gas is like from the last time. I know that this is tear gas, and I'm in a section where peaceful protests are actually happening. So because of that, I I think when we look at the news and we see it and we feel like the entire city, every area of the city was just being burnt down. There was another CNN correspondence that said, correspondent that said yesterday morning there was only two streets, uh, two blocks, of which a looting happened and businesses were affected. The majority of the city went untouched. And so, as she and I don't even know if the the CNN the the producers knew that this was going to be her response. She was actually on the scene, but she was like, you know, let's not let's recognize the fact that for the most part, the city still is operable. It's still intact. There are certain places and some businesses that were affected negatively, but for the most part, everything in the city. I think the news gave us this perception that. The city was just burnt completely burnt down. It was everything was torn, there was no stone that was untouched, but the the majority of the city wasn't. So I think even in looking at that, we have to understand that there was a lot of pe- peaceful protests that were going on and we again, we have to not get deflected by the, the 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 flames and the smoke of one small area and really focus on what the issue is and understand how we can move forward from that.
0: Yeah, and I Again, going back to Fox News, because I watched them for like two hours and I got so ticked. But they said these race um, baiters and Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, as if Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson's voice ignited this firestorm. If they knew anything about the black community, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson were a byproduct of what already What's going on? Exactly. Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson show up when there's actually something going on. They don't incite it. I mean, they may make comments, but in reality, I don't think that many people were listening to what they had to say. Right. I mean, just as a community, they don't have the power that a Martin Luther King has. And they don't have, their, their call to action doesn't reach a lot of African Americans and the the people in Ferguson, those um people who were uh rioting i don't think i ha- I doubt that Al Sharpton or jesse jackson's words were in their mind
1: I was going to say i think I think Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson still have reach, but I feel like the reach that they have is not the reach of the people that were actually causing the problems yeah. so the outlets that Al Sharpton's on in. It- MSNBC, you know Jesse Jackson makes a lot of appearance on major mainstream news outlets. The people that the the, the profiles of those individuals that were looting that weren't peacefully uh, organized were not people that are plugged in to those outlets. Are not people that are plugged into those ways. If you did one of the things, uh, if you watch the Inyala Van Zandt a special when she went to Ferguson which again I was kind of like uh but one of the things <laughs> that you know you can note from that special was she realized we need to go to the hearts of uh, of these these you know impoverished neighborhoods because those are that's the place where people don't feel like they don't have a voice that's the place where people aren't connected to you know larger movements or larger organizations to know how to go about this thing so we need to connect to those places and I guarantee you being once upon a time somebody that was in that position no idea who Al Sharpton was no idea who who Jesse Jackson was heard of jesse jackson but you know no real like connection to him so to say that their their uh their comments or their statements is what got people in uproar and made all this stuff happen it's it's very ignorant like those people have they do have influence but they influence people that are almost at the same mental level as them the the same people that are at the level of i won't say mental but educational level as them and not people that just don't know really I truly believe that the people that were looting and the people that were rioting were people that don't know how to constructively or don't know how to have haven't had experience in and don't truly feel like in this moment me being peaceful is going to bring any type of change but me Acting out, in a way, is going to cause attention to it, and I think it's one of the things that we've seen. I think it's, it's almost the same way as looking at, like, the troubled kid in a classroom. If you look at the troubled kid in the classroom, that kid is always getting attention. The kid that's saying, like, I disagree with something or something is going on at home, but I'm just not going to act out, they get no attention. You know, if it if a, a closed mouth don't get fed, they're not they're not saying anything. So everybody's overlooking them. But when the the bad child acts out, we get all these programs, we get all these resources. People are going from everywhere are trying to and are trying to help this child. And I think those those that kind of speaks to the people that were rioting and looting in Ferguson.
0: Yeah, because in, in reality, it's like we know that people protest for black on black crime like we said earlier in the show. It's a uh, countless numbers of people who protest black on black crime. But and even Al Sharpton said I've been in Chicago. Right. Y'all don't follow that because it's not "quote unquote" newsworthy. Right. And if we look statistically, black on black crime and white on white crime is kind of running neck and neck. People kill people usually they know. Right. And they usually know their own race. Right. So we understand that it's a problem. We understand we have a fatherless problem in this black generation. We understand all of that. There's plenty of programs in the African Im- community combating that. But there's a s- systemic problem in the justice system. Michelle Alexandra calls it the criminal injustice system hmm. that we have to fix and work on if we're going to be better. So don't I, – I hate when people take one problem – and won't deal with that problem and deflect to another. Exactly. In reality, both of them are problems, so let's deal with both of them. We can't just deflect to black-on-black crime. Exactly. This is a s- s- systemic problem that we've had for years. The system needs to be looked at. It needs to be equal for blacks and whites. Exactly. That's all we're saying. And and we're also going to work on black-on-black crime exactly. and fatherlessness. Exactly. We want to work on all of it.
1: Exactly. And I, I, I just say that to... I know people like to say that we're in America and we live in America and everything is not about race and yada, 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 particularly those black people that feel the need to say that they are educated enough or they are differentiated from the rest of the bunch that just are Al Sharpton followers that feel the need to post and make these public statements also our celebrities, that say, well, we should be doing this for black-on-black crime. Well, check check this. When's the last time you did something for black-on-black crime, right? If you felt this way, why wasn't this an issue before this happened? Don't wait until there is another issue that people are passionately trying to attack to feel like you need to stand on the outside and oppose it. You think it makes you look smart, but you actually look extremely stupid. And what I always want people to understand is please don't forget that you once upon a time, before you got your money, before you got your success, before you got your accolades, you were once upon a time just a regular old black person that people wrote off as being just another regular old black person. So because you know what it is to be inside that bubble and inside that community, you have to understand that you need to have a, a set of heart and compassion and bring those people out of that light, but also teach those people that are in the shadow that thinks that all black people act the same or all all black people are misunderstanding be the liaison and make sure that happens. I, I get extremely frustrated. I saw a number of comments on Facebook of people saying that, oh, well, black on black crime happened. You going to post about that? Really, bro? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: not the issue. Don't don't de- deflect. That's I hate that. So, as you can tell, we're both very passionate about this issue. We could spend hours and hours going back and forth talking about this. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to end it here, and we're going to move to our...
1: Random topic.
0: So, today's random topic is a woman who stabs her boyfriend for eating dinner early.
1: Ooh. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pennsylvania woman chased her boyfriend around the dining room and stabbed him in the chest because he started eating Thanksgiving dinner while she slept off a bender. So she was drunk. She got drunk. And she went and, you know, took a nap. Brother probably was hungry. I mean, it's Thanksgiving. I know I'm always hungry on Thanksgiving because it seems like that's the day that we don't have breakfast. You know, you you like...
1: I know in my family, we don't. We usually don't (laughs) eat until, like, 7 o'clock, 7 p.m., (laughs) and so you spend all day eating chips, crackers, waiting for the food to get done. I don't know about y'all, but in my household, we don't eat breakfast, and if the the food is not ready by 3, you don't eat lunch either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's just like, yeah. So she was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, simple assault, reckless endangerment, and making... Terroristic threats. Meanwhile, Marissa, sitting in prison for shooting.
1: A warning shot.
0: Exactly. And that goes back to our point about the system of injustice. Kermit
1: the Frog sips tea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It was a bit Thankfully,
0: yeah, he was hospitalized with n- n- non-life-threatening issues. But, yeah, that's pretty random. He, she, He was hungry. Hunger got him... Stabbed, and you know, just make sure whoever you're dating when they get drunk, they don't have, um, they're not around sharp objects. You gotta, yeah,
1: you you gotta be careful. Thanksgiving is serious. That lady said she made her food and she wasn't ready for nobody to eat it. So don't stick your hand in the pot because you put it in the pot, you're gonna come back with a nub, or yeah, just stabbed. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: don't want to be stabbed. It was a lot of things I did over. Thanksgiving, and being stabbed wasn't one of them. So... (laughs) But we're going to leave you with our quote of the week.
1: This week's quote actually comes from Michelle Alexander, and the quote says, True justice will be rendered not when a single guilty verdict is rendered in one man's case, but when the system as a whole has been found guilty, and we, as a nation, have committed ourselves to repairing, as we can as best we can, the immeasurable harm that has been done. And that again is by Michelle Alexander. I think that speaks to this the the overall issue and the overall reigning issues that we keep saying. We we saw we see so many people, so many black people, people of color that are served poorly by our injustice system, and we have to realize that. Just finding one man guilty in a situation, finding one person at fault is not going to improve everything. We have to change this justice system. We have to get in and be a part of the, the, the movement, be a part of the system, and rewrite these laws from the standpoint that understand the injustice that already exists. So, yeah,
0: because we've got to get to the root of the issue, not just cutting down the limbs.
1: Exactly. And so again, we thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Brunch Culture. We want you guys to let us know. Use the hashtag #ChatBC and let us know what you think about this this week's show. How you feel about it? Are black people overreacting? Are you overreacting? What were your thoughts when you heard the verdict? When you, I'm sorry, when, I keep saying verdict. When you heard the decision uh, to not indict Darren Wilson? Where were you? How did that look for you? How do you feel, and what do you think about going forward? We have so many questions. Again, this conversation going forever, so we want you guys to interact with us on social media. Make sure you check out our website and subscribe to our website to get email updates. The website is www.brunchculturebc.com. That's www.brunchculturebc.com. Check us out on Twitter at brunchculture on Instagram at brunch_culture, and you can also Also check us out on Facebook, like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Brunch Culture. And remember here at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion.